Today we focus on Jesus' ascension, and so will you join me in praying the collect for Ascension Day? Almighty God, whose blessed Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things, mercifully give us faith to perceive that according to his promise, he abides with his people, the church, here on earth, even to the end of the ages. All this we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. In just 12 days... The Patrick family is going on vacation. We're heading to Colorado. Last week, Lindsay and I went upstairs, and we found out that we had a little early help getting packed. Daphne already had a full suitcase done, and the boys had followed her lead. They'd gone into their room, and they'd pulled every article of clothing out of their drawers, dumped it onto the floor. We were ecstatic (laughs) to have so much help. I'm really excited about this trip, and like I do every year, I'm asking God to do some things, and this, this year, I'm asking him really to do three things. The first is refreshment. I'm asking God to really renew my spirit uh, while I'm away. The second is relationship. It's two solid weeks of complete family time. We'll be right there together the whole time. My, both of our moms are going to be there. There's going to be friends and neighbors that are going to join us at some point during the time. My brother and his family are coming from Utah. And there's just something about the Rocky Mountains that makes me feel really close to the Lord. And then that third thing is recreation. I love hiking and exploring. And there's something about me recreating that God uses to recreate me in the image of his son. Refreshment, relationship, recreation. I'm really looking forward to this trip. As Jesus leads his disciples to that mountainside at Bethany, it was the end of his trip here on earth. Emmanuel, God with us, was about to return to heaven. And he had already accomplished so much. Jesus had refreshed God's people. Wherever he went, he loved, he taught, he healed, he forgave sins, and he released people from the oppression and bondage of the devil and the spiritual forces of wickedness in their life. Nearly every person that Jesus encountered was refreshed by coming into contact with him. Jesus had also restored the broken relationship that existed between God and humanity. When he made that perfect and complete sacrifice for the sins of the world on the cross, when he died and descended to the dead, he satisfied God's righteous wrath. And he opened the way for relationship to be restored between God and man through repentance 
and belief in him. He also started his work of recreation. Jesus began that work of making all things new. Sin and death had been defeated. And in him, we are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. But as he walks up that mountainside with his disciples, he's not done. He's not finished. He knows that what he's about to do is just as important as everything that has gone before. We believe that Jesus ascended to heaven and is right now, mark your watch, right now, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. This statement of our creed, this statement of our faith, it's no footnote to our faith. What we believe here is foundational for four important reasons. First, it was according to God's plan that Jesus prophetically shared with his disciples before his death and resurrection. His ascension and session also reveal the place of privilege that Jesus now holds at the right hand of God. It speaks to the power and the authority that he wields, and it also shows us why he is uniquely positioned for the ministry of prayer, intercession, that he now exercises before the Father on our behalf. Let's look at these four aspects of what Jesus is doing right now, his, for the four aspects of his ascension as we move forward. First, it's important for us to know that the ascension happened according to God's plan. Before he went to the cross, Jesus told his disciples that this is exactly what would happen. The Last Supper, he tells them, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. Jesus knew that that was going to be really tough news. But he shared his plan with them so that when he ascended, their faith in him would be strengthened, not shaken. Look at what he says. I'm going to the Father. And now I've told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. And like Every other part of God's plan since creation itself, since the very beginning, Jesus' ascension was vital to God's plan. It opened the way for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on all humanity. Look at what Jesus says a little later on. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The ascension is no afterthought. It's been a central part of God's plan for the coming of the Holy Spirit. The plan for the salvation of the world has always been for Jesus to come, to save a people and then empower them through the Holy Spirit to take the message of salvation to the very ends of the earth. We believe that Jesus ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. The creed reminds us of where he ascended. Jesus ascended to a place of privilege. John, you did good this morning. You sat at my right hand 
well done. Being at someone's right hand conveys a sense of exaltation, of honor, of glory. You remember what James and John did? They, they asked their mommy to run to Jesus and ask him for their son, her sons to be able to sit at Jesus' right and left hand. They knew what they were asking for. They were asking for the most exalted places, the most exalted positions in Jesus' kingdom. You see, King David prophetically saw this ascension a thousand years before Jesus actually did it. In Psalm 110, he's talking about his Lord, and he says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And Peter and Paul both testified about Jesus' privileged position as they were facing intense persecution and as they were exhorting the followers of Jesus in their day to live a life worthy of the call to which they had been called. This privileged position, it comes with immense power. Actually, all power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus by the Father. It's Jesus who sustains us by the word of his power. The reason that we can draw breath in this very moment is because Jesus chooses to sustain this moment out of his love for us. It is because of Jesus' power that the demons and the devil tremble and flee at just the mention of the name of Jesus Christ. And it is because of Jesus' power that one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. Finally, from this place of privilege and power. Jesus prays. It shouldn't take us by surprise. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus was constantly praying for people wherever he was. He prayed for healing all the time, didn't he? He prayed for Peter, knowing the trial that the crucifixion would be for him. He prayed for every person in this room, in the garden on the night that he was arrested, asking for the Father's protection over you, over me, over us. And even as he was being mocked and tortured on the cross, he prayed even for those who were crucifying him. He said, Father, forgive them. Jesus interceded even for them. And just as his earthly ministry was a ministry of prayer, so too is his heavenly one. And as our great high priest at the Father's right hand, the author of Hebrews writes that Jesus lives to make intercession for everyone that seeks to draw near to God through him. We believe that Jesus ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. So Jesus' ascension was part of God's plan. 
It speaks to the place of privilege and power that Jesus has in the ministry of prayer that he is exercising on our behalf right now. It's a foundational part of our faith because it tells us where Jesus is and what he is doing right now. We don't have to wonder. We know. The question for us, though, is how do we take what we believe? How do we take this important and vital aspect of our faith and put it into practice? If we really believe this, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now praying for us, we should be quick to approach him in prayer. And one day his disciples came to him and they asked, Jesus, teach us how to pray. We don't really know. We don't understand how to do it. And Jesus, being the great teacher that he is, he started off by telling them what not to do. That's often what I need to hear. He said, don't pray to get noticed. And don't use a lot of words to try to impress God or even worse, manipulate him. If you're doing either of those things, you're coming to him with the wrong heart, and you're actually not praying at all. You're preening. You're exalting yourself. But instead, Jesus said that when we pray to God, we should come to him with humble hearts, hearts that approach him in prayer by exalting him, by telling him how great and awesome and wonderful he is. Words can't even describe it, but he loves it when we come to him and worship him in that way and when we remember all of the great things that he has done in our lives. Think about the Psalms alone and how many times they just recount and remember how great God has moved in the lives of his people. And as we come and we exalt God, as we praise and we worship him, it's inevitable That as we focus on his greatness, we'll remember how far we've fallen short of the glory of God. But it's in that moment that we need to remember that God doesn't convict us to condemn us. But to lead us to confess our sins, to come to the cross and receive the forgiveness that Jesus won for us. and Paid the price for As we feel that restored relationship, as we know the love of God and we we see uh, that forgiveness just flowing uh, in our midst and are assured of God's love for us, Jesus wants to, again, exhort us. He says, don't come asking for your kingdom. Don't come asking for your will. Come asking that my kingdom would be built, that my will would be done. Our prayers shouldn't be prayers that merely ask Jesus to come alongside whatever it is that we're doing in the moment in the kingdom that we're trying to build. And it's finally when we come with those humble and repentant hearts, trusting in God's good and gracious will for us, that we can cry out, Abba, Daddy, and ask and seek and knock knowing that God will answer every single one of the prayers that we lift up to him in the name of Jesus.
I want to pause here for a moment. Do we believe that? Do we believe that Jesus answers every single one of our prayers? It may not even be, it may not be the answer that we want or may not be the way that we want him to answer that prayer. But Jesus does answer every prayer. Sometimes yes. Sometimes yes, but not the way we thought he was going to answer that. Sometimes no. Often it's wait. Not yet. But not a single prayer goes unanswered. What if we truly believed that? You see, James, Jesus' half-brother, he was the guy that was big on saying, if you believe something, show me what you're doing about it. And James talked about prayer in the letter that he wrote. And he challenges us on this particular point. He writes that often we don't have because we haven't asked. Jesus, James says that there's so much in our lives that could be different but we haven't prayed about it. The what if of this really challenges me personally. This week it continued some convicting work that God has been doing in my own heart in some ways that I'm realizing, some things that I'm realizing about myself. The truth is, is I don't ask for help enough. Not from the Lord, not from other people. And I kind of trick myself by saying, well, I don't really, uh, the things that I'm ask, I would ask for help for are not that important. Um, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be a burden to the Lord. I don't want to be a burden to anybody else. But I'm grateful that the Lord has been convicting me of the true reason that I'm not asking for help. Pride. My belief in my own self-sufficiency I mean, come on, really? To think that I could be a burden to Jesus? The one who holds all power and authority in heaven and on earth? That I could burden him? That's preposterous. And you know what? Jesus is a big boy. If I'm asking for something that is not good for me or that he's not according to his will, guess what he's going to do? He's going to say no. And I'm thankful because he said no to a lot of things that I've asked that haven't been good for me. I've come to see that when I'm not constantly seeking his will for my life and whatever it is, big or small, when I'm not constantly asking for his help in prayer, that that for me is sin. It puts what I say I believe, what I confess about Jesus at odds with how I'm actually living my life. As our great high priest who is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, Jesus has taken upon himself a ministry of prayer. He chose to do it. He wants to do it. He's doing it. And you know who he's doing it for? He's doing it for me. He's doing it for you. He's doing it for us. And me pressing forward with my own plans and my own power without asking him for help and without asking for the help of others is simply my independent spirit 
showing itself. It's an area that's very personal for me. I'm always amazed that when the Lord uh, gives a message to me that he always does so much work in my heart. But this week has really uh, been a place where I've needed to repent and believe. I'm asking the Lord for help. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not enough. Without him and without the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not the follower of his that I want to be. I'm not the husband, the father, the pastor, or the friend that I could be when I'm in him and moving in his will and through the power of his Holy Spirit. And the good news for me and the good news for all of us is that Jesus wants us to have more of the helper, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus knows that I need more help and he can't wait to give it to me if I would just come to my prayer, come to him in prayer, humble myself and ask for it. So of all the things to ask Jesus for, what is a good thing? Completely in line with God's will and totally necessary for our life together in Christ. Because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, we should ask him for his Holy Spirit power. You see, because we believe We as a gospel community need to pray that Jesus would give us more of his power through his Holy Spirit to live into the call that he has on each one of our lives and our lives together corporately. The good news about that prayer, guys, is that it's a prayer that Jesus never says no to. The good news is that when we pray that prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit, more of the fruit of the Spirit will show forth in our hearts and in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. When, those, when that fruit of the Spirit is present in our hearts and present in our hearts corporately together, we're going to grow more and more into the gospel community that God is calling us and leading us to be. And the good news gets even better. When we pray that prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit, people who are walking in darkness in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, up and down the Broadway corridor, the Holy Spirit's going to move and give them new hearts and the gift of faith in the midst of what God is doing in the midst of the family of churches that he's built here in San Antonio. We'll know the joy of seeing the Holy Spirit make new creations in Christ as people respond to the gospel for the first time. And then if that weren't enough, the news gets even better. When we pray that prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit, people are going to be immersed into the life of Jesus in this gospel community. Through our life groups, they're going to be raised up as disciples. New kingdom leaders are going to be developed. And guess what? Those new kingdom leaders are going to go out. They're going to start new apostolic works and new expressions of the church. And guys, we haven't seen anything yet of what God wants to do in our midst. 
together with our daughter church gathering Midtown, we are a part of a growing family of interdependent churches. And that prayer, that good news, what God wants to do in our hearts, in our uh, gospel friendships, in our discipleship, in sending out new works, that is the vision that he has given us, the Mission 368 vision. It's something that we've only begun to live into, and we need to ask for more of the power of the Spirit because it's his vision, it's not ours. It's only by his power that we'll be able to live into it, not in our own. And it's only for his glory and for the sake of exalting the name of Jesus Christ that we will be faithful and fruitful and that we'll have the joy of knowing that we have been a part of something that is so much bigger than ourselves. This is the call on our lives together. You better believe we need help. What about you? How does the what if of this morning, of what we believe, encourage you or challenge you? How would you like your prayer life to be different? How would you like to grow in your intimacy with God? I'm reminded of the two different, completely different responses of the disciples. Grief upon hearing the news of Jesus' ascension, but joy when it actually happened. They understood They believed. The ascension didn't lead to separation from God like they feared. It led to closer intimacy through the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence in their very hearts. This morning, why not go to a prayer team and ask to receive more of the Holy Spirit to give you a greater sense of the intimacy that you desire with God. We believe that Jesus ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have done so many amazing things And, Lord, that you did so much of it for us. Thank you, Lord, for creating us and your image and likeness. Thank you, Lord, for not letting the sin that had come between us and you separate us from you eternally. But in your great love coming, being conceived and born of a virgin, suffering and dying so that our sin could be paid for and the way to relationship could be opened with you. And then, Lord, ascending gloriously and opening the way for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in our midst and, most importantly, Lord, in our hearts. Thank you for the privilege, place that you make us as temples of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power uh, that you entrust to us through him to uh, share the gospel wherever you send us. 
Thank you, Lord, for the amazing plan that you have for the salvation of the world and that we have the honor of being a part of it. And so, Lord, we come to you right now asking for more of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you would conform us more and more into the very image of you, Jesus. Lord, that when people see us, that the fragrance and the aroma of Christ would waft out into their lives and that they would be curious about you because of what you're doing in our lives and how we're loving them because of your great love for us. And Lord, we pray that as they come to know you, as they respond to your gospel, as you give them new hearts, Lord, that you would be exalted and glorified as many in this city up and down the Broadway corridor come to know you as Lord and Savior and God. And Lord, that you would just give us the gift of the joy of being a part of what you're doing to glorify yourself. All of this, Lord, we ask in your name and for your glory. Amen.